Hello and welcome to What's the Story Ghost? I'm your host Essanette. And I'm Stephen. And today we are on episode 11. Stephen, do you know anything about the Dullahan? I do not. You are allowed to say that you do kind of know what it is. I saw you read my notes. No, I was told <laughs> moments ago and I have fed silence. You're not allowed to read my notes? You're not allowed to do dad jokes? Why are you even here? Okay. Wait a minute, I'm allowed to do dad jokes. <laughs> you are allowed to do dad jokes. Uh, so today we're going to cover the story of the Dullahan. We crack on? Crack on. Perfect. Many of you likely grew up hearing the tales of the Dullahan. If you don't recognise the name, you may be more familiar with the Headless Horseman. Much like the Banshee, Irish folklore classifies the Dullahan as a fairy. As discussed in episode 6, the Banshee, a fairy spelt F-A-E-R-I-E is a mischievous and often evil creature. But unlike the Banshee, who warns of impending death, the Dullahan is said to be the one who takes lives. And while the Banshee only follows specific families, the Dullahan will condemn virtually anyone to death. The exact origin of the Dullahan is unknown, but he was viewed as the incarnation of the Celtic god Crom Dubh, whose name means the Dark One. He was regarded as a malevolent deity in ancient times. Despite being what many consider to be the Headless Horse Man, the Dullahan wasn't always seen as a man, as many believed the Dullahan could also appear as a female. There's no discernible differences between the male and female version. They both rode a black horse and carried their head around with them. Have to admit that's badass, but for continuity of the story I heard, I'll tell you the tale of him, the Headless Horseman. The ancient King Tigernmouth, an early high king in Ireland, was known for worshipping Crom Dove. As part of his worship, it's believed that Tigernmouth normalised the decapitated human sacrifices demanded by Crom Dove. Just as a side note, Tigernmouth was the first king to give drinking horns to his followers, the first to have clothes dyed purple, blue and green and decorated with brooches, fringes and ornaments. So clearly he was into all sorts of stuff, albeit human sacrifices was a tad on the dark side. Being that Crom Dove was the god of fertility, after the sacrifices were made, he provided bountiful harvests and plenty of healthy cattle. When Christianity came to Ireland during the sixth century, unsurprisingly, all of Ireland's pagan practices were banished. This caused human sacrifices to wane until eventually disappearing for good. When the sacrifices stopped, Cromdov decided to take matters into his own hands. He took on the form of the Headless Horseman and began claiming the lives he was denied. With this transformation, the Dark God became the embodiment of death itself. So what do you look out for? He wears a long black cloak that flows behind him as he rides. He holds in one hand a whip made from a human spine and in the other hand his severed head which can see for miles and through any obstacle. It's hoisted high into the sky in search of the souls that he wishes to take. His mouth is stretched into a terrifying grin as he finds joy in taking the lives of others. His horse is said to be darker than darkness itself. It leaves a trail of scorched grass behind it and bushes catch fire as it passes. Its racing hooves can be heard thundering down the road for miles. The few who have seen the horse, and live to tell the tale, say that fiery flames shoot from its nostrils. The Dullahan's eyes are lit up with an evil fire and dart back and forward, constantly looking for victims. Although he is sometimes described as still headless, of course, but riding a ghostly black coach instead of his black steed, 
This coach is known as the silent coach or the death coach, which often accompanies a banshee. The coach is pulled by four, sometimes six black horses and is said to be constructed of coffins, bones and tombstones. So how do you avoid him if he comes for you? Well, you can't. You see, again, to draw comparisons with the Banshee, another harbinger of death, she is attached to certain families and only warns them of impending death. The Dolohan, on the other hand, he's not so picky. Anyone and everyone could hear their name called. After dark, the people of the towns and villages he makes his way through hide behind their curtains, even if it's not their name he's called. Should you see him, he may spare you, but it will come at a cost. If anyone were to look at him, they would immediately be blinded, but not by magic. No, no, he takes out their eyes with his whip, or by throwing a basin of blood in their eyes. Or he won't spare you at all. He'll hunt you down and kill you where you stand, before continuing on his immoral mission of death. Once his journey continues, no locked door will keep you safe, for doors burst open automatically in his presence. He only speaks once on his journey, and that is to say the name of the person whose life he wishes to take. Once the Dullahan says this name, that person's soul is called to death, and there is no defying this call. There's no warning, except for the pounding of the horse's hooves on the road as he approaches. When he stops and calls out the name, if family or friends try to intervene, the Dullahan whips out their left eye and marks them as one of his next victims. However, it is said, that carrying a gold coin in your pocket or wearing a piece of gold jewellery will ward off the Dullahan. For reasons I could not find, he is inexplicably afraid of gold. But this fear is said to have been discovered completely by accident. A man was on his way home one night in Galway between Roundstone and Ballycanee. It was just getting dark and all of a sudden he heard the sound of horses' hooves pounding along the road behind him. Looking around, he saw the Dullahan on his charger hurtling towards him at a fair speed. With a loud shout, he made to run, but the thing came on after him, gaining him all the time. In truth, it would have overtaken him and carried him away had he not dropped the gold-headed pin from the folds of his shirt on the road behind him. There was a roar in the air above him, and when he looked again, the Dullahan was gone. Be warned, this will only work if you're not the one he's searching for. The ancient Celts believed the soul was in the head, and if an enemy was a worthy one, their head would be taken and added to the warrior's prestige. There was also the belief that if they attached the head to a pole near the dwelling, the head would scream if an enemy approached. The Celtic headhunters revered the image of the severed head as a continuing source of spiritual power. Depending on the legend, the horseman is either carrying his head or missing his head altogether and is searching for it. The legend of the Headless Horseman, also known as the Headless Hessen of the Hollow, begins in Sleepy Hollow, New York, during the American Revolutionary War. Traditional folklore holds that the horseman was a Hessen trooper who was killed during the Battle of the White Plains in 1776. He was decapitated by an American cannonball and the shattered remains of his head were left behind on the battlefield while his comrades hastily carried his body away. Eventually they buried him in the cemetery of the old Dutch church in Sleepy Hollow, from which he rises as a malevolent ghost, furiously seeking his lost head. Modern versions of the story refer to his rides on Halloween, around which when the battle took place. In 1820, American writer Washington Irvine published a collection of stories and essays that he wrote. 
However, there was one tale that stood out above the rest, the legend of Sleepy Hollow. It is said that the story is based loosely on the tale of the Dullahan. So why would Washington Irvine use the Dullahan in his tale? Irvine's family came from Scotland, so he would have heard all the stories of Celtic and fairies and ghouls. His father, William, came from Shaffensea Island in the Orkney Islands, off the coast of mainland Scotland. The character of Rip Van Winkle is very similar to that of a drunken fiddler who stumbled onto the burial mound on Salt Knoll, adjacent to the Ring of Brodgar on the island. And although the series of stories that included the Headless Horseman and Rip Van Winkle were based in the Catskills, he admitted he'd never been. The jack-o'-lantern was also part of Irish and Scots legends, having been carved for centuries from turnips and gourds. While in County Down, writer W.J. Fitzpatrick claimed that he encountered the Dullahan. I seen the Dullahan myself, stopping on the brow of the hill between Brainsford and Mully Scab late one evening, just as the sun was setting. It was completely headless, but it held up its own head in its hand and I heard it call out a name. I put my hand across my ears in case the name was my own, so I couldn't hear what it said. When I looked again, it was gone. Shortly afterwards, there was a bad car accident on that very hill, and a young man was killed. It had been his name that the Dullahan was calling. Each October, the Irish New Year, Sound, brings the end of the Irish fall and the beginning of the Celtic winter. The New Year rises from the greyness of the season, and the dead walk with their living relatives, and pukas and demon brides and the fearlias all come to visit. So look out for the Dullahan, or better yet, look away, and carry a piece of gold. One can never be too safe, and you don't want to lose your head. What do you think about that? So I have to carry pieces of gold and stones in my pocket. Oh my god, yeah, I just realised that. <laughs> yeah. What's a Hessian trooper? What's a Hessian or Hessian? Um, that is a German troop working with the English against the Americans. I'm going to Google it just to be on the safe side, because I did Google this earlier on today. German mercenaries. So a Hessian trooper is a German mercenary. They're contracted for services under the crown of the British Empire. So basically they worked in conjunction with the British against the Americans. See, this coach full of bones, made of bones. Yeah. That reminded me, and I'm going to show my nerdiness here now. <laughs> but Star Trek Discovery, mm-hmm. when the Klingon ship yeah. came out, it was made of the fallen soldiers that came before them. Oh my God. There you go. Did you get that TikTok I sent you earlier? No. The history of Easter, which was originally before Christianity was popular in Europe, paganism, paganism obviously was. Yeah. And in and around Easter were celebrating the fertility festivals, which I was lots of fertility festivals. You can put that together <laughs> how you wish. Um, but then Christianity came along, but nobody wanted to let go of their, their cool religion, so they changed it. And... Uh, things like eggs became the symbol, so it's a new beginning. For, because eggs are the yeah. symbol of fertility. Yeah, yeah. and oh, then if yeah, you think if you think about it, bunny rabbits do it like crazy too. So that's you another. Like bunnies, that's obviously, that's where obviously that came another. From. Yeah, so that's where. I did not know that. That's actually really cool. There's a there was I forgotten most of the really cool information of that. So that's. Uh, I'll have a look at the TikTok though because if they're. Do you remember that girl you were sending me a little while ago? Um, she does skits by herself, right? But she plays two people. 
and she comes in and she's like, ring your ring your rosy. That's the girl. Is it her? Because I was gonna say if she does a couple of them, she goes into detail. She's like the Disney versus the Brothers Grimm stories. Is it is that the name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She does a lot of that stuff and she does like, Oh, that song you're singing, yeah, it's a it's a fine old ditty, isn't it? Do you know where do you know where that originated from? Yeah. She's really good. I'd love to know because there's a lot of there's a lot of pagan rituals that we still do that a lot of people think that they're Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um but that would be really interesting mm-hmm. to learn about. You should look at that later. So the Banshee, yes. she's buddies with the... Uh, Do you remember the in Darby O'Gill? No. Okay, we're going to have to watch Darby O'Gill. No. <gasps> it's such a classic. It is. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's not part of the trilogy of the van, the commitments or the snapper, but it's still an Irish favourite. And I think it's on it's... Disney, so we have no excuse. We, I have an excuse. You have an excuse. Okay, so basically the Banshee comes and warns the family, but his daughter's the one that's dying, and the headless horseman comes... And he realises, okay, there's no point in fighting off the Banshee because she's just here to to warn us. And then the, the Headless Horseman comes and he gets into the carriage. But then I think he's saved by the Leprechaun King or somebody. I, I don't know why you would not want to watch this movie. It is Is this that real gill you're talking yeah. about? Yeah. Look, look. <laughs> I think from the few seconds of story you just gave me, I think, <laughs> I think we're going to have to revisit drugs. Okay. <laughs> so, does any of these ghosts work from home? Imagine getting a Zoom call. The Headless Horseman emoji coming up. <laughs> Sorry, I can't die. I can't put in the right code here. <laughs> no, I don't think any of them work. Mom, they're very hardworking people. Just after the last episode we did there on Larch Hill, I was like, what's a Farlia? Because the direct translation to a Farlia is a grey man. And then I found out that the grey men are actually in charge of fog. And having done the Larchelle episode, and I told you how much I don't like fog, now I know that there is a particular entity Fogman. that looks after fog. I'm not okay with this. The I'm fog, not okay with this. The fog man. They're in charge of the mist and the, and the fog. And I'm just, no, that's not for me. Thank you very much. So by not for me, you mean you're going to do a story on this? Poor morning like yeah. Me, yeah. <laughs> I have no, like I covered all my little bits of scribbly points here. What's the very top one? Working from home. That was the first thing you wanted to know. Are you looking to change your job? Do you want to do these jobs? Is that what this is? No, I'm happy where I am. Where I am. I'm happy. I'm happy where I am. (laughs) Uh, Where where I currently work, I get. I currently get paid. So that's very true. But I really enjoyed doing that episode. I'm. I'm really loving. Um. I. I love Irish folklore. I'm loving learning about it because I don't remember learning about any of this in school. I did maths. That's good. And Irish. I, I, spent, I spent the first year of secondary school trying to reteach myself pretty much all of my subjects because my first six years in primary obviously were all an Irish school. My French teacher in fifth year used to come in and she's a, she would say something along the lines of, do you want to learn French or play Who Wants to Be a Millionaire on my laptop? <laughs> and some days she wouldn't come in with the option, but we'd just say millionaire and play millionaire so we would have maybe four or five french lectures classes a week and we'd maybe do a bit of french in one of them and i failed yeah i failed my leave to french tell me you went to a private school without telling me went to a private school (laughs) my french that could have been any school no i don't know any school where the teacher came in and said do you want to do work or do you want to play who wants to be a millionaire that would have been epic it was because i was really bad at french (laughs) and it also did not help my French. I loved my uh, my French teacher. She went to live in France. She said the best way that you can learn another language is to literally engross yourself in it, like completely submerge yourself in it. And I was like, yeah, I want to do that. That's amazing. And then I was like, you can't even sleep over in somebody's house 
and you get homesick. So maybe let's not plan the trip to Paris just this yet. This could have been a very French ghost story season. Le Pouca. <laughs> you don't know what a Pouca is, do you? It's French for ghost. It's Irish, Stephen. <laughs> Look, I didn't do so great in Irish either. I think we should, we think we should end there. Okay, so we'll finish up there. Thank you so much for listening, guys. If you have any personal stories that you would like to send to us, our email is whatsthestoryghost at gmail.com. If you have any comments on this week's episode or any episode or have any recommendations for us, our Instagram is whatsthestoryghost. And we will speak to you next time because I'm not allowed to say see you. Exit, (laughs) Jay. Bye.